Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Ajnana Timarandasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshuru Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance and my spiritual masters opened my eyes with a torchlight of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Okay. So, um, we are beginning this chapter. So, we, hear, we heard, if you recall, it seems like a year ago. Um, so, the demigods, uh, the Bali Maharaj and the demons, of course, Bali Maharaj is ultimately a great devotee, uh, have basically, they've kind of usurped... Uh, this heavenly planet and are ruling over it. it it's, it, you know, I don't know how, if it's akin to, uh, it's not exactly akin, but you could just imagine um, uh, when, when, when the Germans over, when they took over uh, Paris, when they conquered Paris and then they, you know, put up their their flags everywhere and drew, put the Nazi flag on the Eiffel Tower and things like that. So they occupied that city. I, I, and whereas Russia is trying to occupy certain cities in um, Ukraine. So the, the demons have occupied uh, Indrapura and the mother of the demigods, uh, Aditi, is not happy about that and is concerned for her son, Indra. So we are going to hear uh, about that. And then she, and then Kasyapa, her husband, Kasyapa Muni, Aditi's husband, father of Indra, uh, he was away for some time and he returns and sh she expresses her lamentation, her, her grief over the defeat of the demigods and her son. And she asked what could be done about this. And Kasyapa Muni says, well, there's, if you please the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then all, anything can happen, anything can be successful. And then she asks how to do that. And then he offers uh, the Payo Brata process of worship. Payo means milk, by the way. So we are uh, beginning with uh, verse one. Sukadev Goswami said, O king, when Aditi's sons, the demigods, had thus disappeared from heaven and the demons had occupied their places, Aditi began lamenting as if she had no protector. After many, many days, the great powerful sage Kasyapa Muni arose from a trance of meditation and returned home to see the ashram of Aditi, neither jubilant nor festive. Best of the Kurus, when Kasyapa Muni had Improperly received and welcomed, he took his seat, and then he spoke as follows to his wife Aditi, who was very morose. Text four. O most gentle one, I wonder whether anything inauspicious has now taken place in regard to religious principles, the Brahmanas or the people in general, who are the who are subject to the whims of death. So he's trying to um, pinpoint her despondency the cause of her despondency. Oh, my wife, who are very much attached to household life, if the principles of religion, economic development, and satisfaction of the senses are properly followed in household life, one's activities are as good as those of a transcendentalist. I wonder whether there have been any discrepancies in following these principles. Purport. In this verse, Aditi has been addressed by her husband, Kasyapa Muni, as Griha Medini, which means one who is satisfied in household life for sense gratification. Generally, those who are in household life pursue sense gratification in the field of activities performed for material results. Such grihamedis have only one aim of life, sense gratification. Therefore, it is said, the householder's life is based on sense gratification and therefore the happiness derived from it is very meager. So um, 
the first, so when, sometimes when we think of the word sense gratification, we, we kind of focus on, you know, the real gross parts, you know, going out partying every night or, you know, um, having a steak dinner or, you know, gambling away your riches or, you know, having, you know, so many different partners for physical activities and things like that. Um, but even a person who's happily, you know, uh, with another partner and has a good job or something like that, um, and not necessarily doing all these, you know, you know, kind of wild, you know, more wild things, they're being described here as still um, absorbed in sense gratification. And the happiness derived is very meager. So, the, the, you know, we basically, I mean, ultimately, so if we take it to the ultimate level, um, if we're not engaged in activities that are for the pleasure of God, then they have some kind of self-centeredness. Even when we're doing charitable work for others, um, if we're doing, because sometimes we can do that to make ourselves feel good more than really doing it out of a mood of seva for the pleasure of someone else. So we see in this world that, you know, even people who live a kind of okay life, they don't do anything terrible. They're still very much kind of focused in a, in a, um, in a very, in a meager way, one way to, in a very limited way. You know, just I'll take care of my family, take care of my extended family, take care of people, you know, who are, you know, in the same town as mine. So help people in my town or the same political party. Um, but the Bhagavatam tries to open up our eyes to such a bigger reality. I mean, even the reality that this planet is only one of unlimited planets and tries to bring us to a consciousness much larger, much wider, much more all-encompassing than uh, in the second canto Prabhupada uses the idea of orbit. We just orbit around our little, you know, our family, our extended family, our the people who have the same sports team as us, whatever. And we're orbiting around really small-mindedness. Whereas broad-mindedness is that there is a supreme God and everyone is everyone is his or her. Uh, is his part and parcel, is related to him. And therefore, everyone we're related to, even people that from another country or another planet, <laughs> right? So that's, so that's what it's, it, I just wanted to put that in perspective here. Um, when Prabhupada is, or when the scriptures are talking about household life, um, it often is because I mean, it's natural to have affection for one's uh, uh, partner or for one's children. That's that's of course natural, but when that's our when when we're just in that kind of cocoon and only focusing on that, it it's not broad-minded at all. And that's what's one point. Or here, Prabhupada used the word. It's very meager. Okay, so. Um, then we'll we'll continue um, with this purport, and then I'll see if you have any points. Nonetheless, the Vedic process is so comprehensive that even in householder life, one can adjust his activities according to the regulative principles of Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. So, so here, then Prabhupada is saying, so the Vedas are so broad-minded; they they don't just discard people who householders who are you know not fully spiritual no they make a they make a um, plan so that those people can gradually or us <laughs> can make gradual advancement through the principle of you know practicing religious principles maybe getting some artha some some wealth of one way or another for sense gratification and liberation one's aim should be to achieve liberation and ultimately not just liberation but krishna consciousness but because one cannot at once give up sense gratification, in the Shastras there are injunctions prescribed how to follow the principles of religion, economic development, and sense gratification. As explained in Srimad Bhagavatam, 
Dharmasya hi apabargasya nartorta nartorta yo pakalpate. All occupational engagements are certainly meant for ultimate liberation. They should never be performed for material gain. Those who are in household life should not think that religion is meant to improve the process of the householder's sense gratification. So uh, bringing it again to a higher level, when we, um, religion isn't, you know, like the, um, like the prosperity churches, right? That if you do, you pray, you pray to God and you get, you give some money to the church and you will prosper. You will get that new Lexus or, or whatever. Right. But that's um, this verse that we just quoted, Canto 1, Chapter 2, Verse 9. One time when a scholar asked Srila Prabhupada, what is the most important verse? He quoted this verse. And that's because many, many, many of us perform religious acts to ask God for something material. And this verse is saying, don't do that. <laughs> All occupational engagements are certainly meant for ultimate liberation. So Prabhupada writes, one should remain, finishing the purport, one should remain in household life with the aim of understanding the ultimate goal of life. Let me just let Gurudas in. Tattva Then household life is as good as the life of a yogi. Okay, so now if we actually are inquiring about the purpose of life, then we, you know, our life is as good as a yogi's. Kasyapa Muni therefore inquired from his wife whether the principles of religion, economic development, and sense gratification were properly followed in terms of the Shastric injunctions. As soon as one deviates from the injunctions of the Shastra, the purpose of household life is immediately lost in confusion. So, any questions, comments, thoughts on this verse? No? Okay. No worries. Um, we will continue that. So verse number six, I wonder whether because of being too attached to the members of your family, you failed to properly receive uninvited guests who therefore were not welcomed and went away. So in the purport, Prabhupada talks about one duty of a householder um, is that if, you're, if you have a guest to take care of them nicely, right? at least in the Vedic times, at least give them a seat and some water. <laughs> you know, if you're the poorest person in the world, uh, give them some place to sit and some water. Um, and just in general, it's such a part of the traditional culture to, uh, to, to honor guests. Okay. And uh, yes, I don't think, Shakshi, I haven't been to your house yet, right? No Prabhu. No, but I've been to Jiva and Ananda Rupas and they are they honored guests so nicely. They took <laughs> very good care and they gave very, very nice prasadam. <laughs> and the Prabhuji Shishul, I can't come because you're too far away, you're in Dallas. <laughs> Prabhuji, I'll buy home here. I'll invite you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll give the flight ticket. <laughs> <laughs> That's my desire a long time. It's just uh, you mentioned that I tell you. <laughs> Thank you. Because uh, so many um, uh, Prabhuji's are asking me to go on my apartment. I don't give the permission now. They are the other uh, team. Other team means Prima uh, Temple. The Kripal Maharaj, his Radha Govinda Dham is very close. So Aparajita is taking to the prayer and the harmonium descent from there. Uh. Uh, two mata, one Mataji, one um, uh, Prabhuji is. Uh, uh, for coming, I told my not good. But, <laughs> but my desire is to you come. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. That's very Thanks. kind of you. Um, so yes, Prabhupada writes, it is the duty of a householder to receive guests, even if a guest can be, be an enemy. <laughs> so text number seven, homes for which 
guests go away without having been received, even with an offering of a little water, are like the holes in the field, which are the homes of jackals. <laughs> but at another time, Prabhupada said, if you want to get rid of a guest, it's very easy. They're staying at your house. You just stop feeding them. <laughs> They'll be gone very quickly. <laughs> Text number eight. Oh, chase an auspicious woman. When I left home for other places, were you in so much anxiety that you did not offer oblations of ghee into the fire? In other words, did you not do your duties of, of uh, you know, um, uh, ritualistic worship? By worshiping the fire and the Brahman as a householder can achieve the desired goal of residing in the higher planets. Now remember, this is not pure devotion, but it's the Vedic culture and the higher planets is not the spiritual world. For the sacrificial fire and the Brahmanas are to be considered the mouth of Lord Vishnu, who is the super soul of all the demigods. Hmm. Um, and Prabhupada talks about um, the importance of of feeding guests sumptuously, if possible, right? And that the Krishna, that Vishnu eats through the Brahmanas. So feeding, especially Brahmanas, that's one thing, but feeding devotees, it, you, one gets um, a lot of credits, Krishna conscious credits by feeding devotees. Text 10, oh, great-minded lady, are all your sons faring well? Seeing your withered face, I can perceive that your mind is not tranquil. How is this so? Um, so the face, Prabhupada says, is the index of the mind. So often you can tell, especially if you know a person kind of well, you can tell when they're anxious, uh, when, they're, when there's something is on their mind. It, it's, it's very hard to hide that. Because the body speaks so much. In, in, in um, communicating emotions, only 7% is the words we speak. 38% is our tone of voice. And 55% is our um, body language. So bodies uh, speak uh, volumes. So that's just one second. I just want to... That is an um, important verse for me in the trainings that I do sometimes. So I'm good. I just copied and pasted that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Text 11. Aditi said, Oh, my respected Brahmana husband, all is well with the Brahmanas, the cows, religion, and the welfare of other people. Oh, master of the house, the three principles of Dharma, Artha, and Kama flourish in household life, which is consequently full of good fortune. O beloved husband, the fires, guests, servants, and beggars are all being properly cared for by me. Because I always think of you, there's no possibility of any religious principles being neglected. O my Lord, since you are the, a prajapati and are personally my instructor in the principles of religion, where is the possibility of all my desires will not be fulfilled? O Sana Marichi, because you are a great personality, you are equal to all the demons and demigods. <clears throat> who are either born from your body <clears throat> or from your mind, and who possesses one or another of the three qualities, sattva, raja, or gauna, or, or tamaguna. But although the supreme personality of God and the supreme controller is equal towards all living entities, he is especially favorable to the devotees. And Prabhupada makes a point in this purport to emphasize this, in this verse that he quotes from chapter 9, 29, that Krishna is equal to everyone in this world. I'm not, I don't dwesha, dislike someone, priya, dear to someone, but one who becomes, worships me and becomes my devotee, I take special care. So text 15. Therefore, O most gentle Lord, kindly favor your maidservant. We have now been deprived of our opulence and residence by our competitors, the demons. Kindly give us protection. So finally, she gets to the point. <laughs> the demons, our, our, our formidable, powerful enemies, have taken away our opulence, our beauty, our fame, and even our residence. 
Indeed, we have now been exiled and we are drowning in an ocean of trouble. So even demigods can become homeless. Oh, best of sages, best of all those who grant auspicious benedictions, please consider our situation and bestow upon my sons the benedictions by which they can regain what they have lost. Sukadeva Goswami continued, when Kasyapa Muni was thus requested by Aditi, he slightly smiled. Alas, he said, how powerful is the illusory energy of Lord Vishnu by which the entire world is bound by affection for children. So Sukadeva Goswami is now, he's, he's, he's stopped uh, relaying the pastime and now he's talking to Maharaj Pariksha. And he and he's you know saying okay Kasyapa Muni heard Aditi and he smiled he said oh my God just see how strong Maya is everyone is bound by affection for children um, and he's saying not just him now not that, again not that that doesn't mean that we don't like children <laughs> you know that's not the idea but the idea is that again that point about the cocoon and we just get so absorbed in just our little reality. And we don't have the broad-mindedness by understanding Krishna in his uh, fullness. So Kasyapa Muni continued. So now he's back telling the story. What is this material body made of five elements? Earth, water, fire, air, ether. It is different from the spirit soul. Indeed, the spirit soul is completely different from the material elements for which the body is made. But because of bodily attachment, one is regarded as a husband or son. These illusory relationships are caused by misunderstanding. So again, I'll, I'll just reiterate that spiritual life is sometimes it's a balancing act. Because we do have our relationships in this world. We can't just live on an island someplace and not, you know, especially for those of us who have a family, right? And at the other hand, the, the ultimate reality is that outside of maybe people that we know as devotees, but in the world otherwise, those relationships are like two pieces of seaweed coming together for a few seconds in an ocean and then going apart. We've had so many births. We've had so many deaths. We've had so many relatives. That is actually, you know, we don't see it every day. That's the problem. But according to the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, that is the reality. Hmm. Yes. Gurudas, or at least, yes, or at least broadening your Gurudas rights. It certainly sounds like Kasyapa wants to bring Aditi out of the Maya of attachment to her sons. Yes, but yeah. Um, out of the Maya part, yes. It doesn't mean she's going to just reject them. Again, that's, a, that's why I'm saying the, in the practical reality of our lives as devotees, it's a balancing act. But of course, if someone is a devotee, Let's say one is married and the spouse is a devotee, then you're actually serving a devotee. You're not serving your husband or wife, per se. It takes on a, another level of, uh, it takes on another level when, when both husband and wife are devotees. Um, but it is, it, it's just one of the challenges in, in as a devotee is to live practically in this world and deal with. Um, our mind and, and our relationships and try to deeply understand in our heart our relationship with Krishna. Because that, like is, that, is uh, that is where reality ultimately lies. And our stay on this planet is short. You know, what, what is it uh, in America? The, I think the average age is 76 for men and about 79 or 80 for women. Uh, women get the last laugh. They live longer than us men. <laughs> um, that's not, that's, you know, that's a lightning flash in eternity. 
so the uh, so finding this balance is is uh, important. You're going to say something, Gurudev? Yeah. Um, just adding to, to what your your explanation so nice, but um, that. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's certainly a compliment to Aditi that Kajapa is addressing her in this way, and that he knows she can understand this deep philosophy, or she can, you know, it's 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 not as though it would be going over her head. Uh, yeah. The mother of the demigods is not like uh, she's a special soul. And she makes it into uh, the Bhagavatam. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Jiva or Anandarupa? You're muted right now. Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is Jiva Katudas, so the statistics, you know, the, when we hear about stats, one of my friends, he, uh, he did his PhD in statistics, and he himself says it's a poll for the drunkard because if you remove the context, uh, like you might just mentioned, women live longer than men. Mm -hmm. and previously, what was happening was doctors were not cleaning their hands, which was causing the early, you know, at the more number of women to die at the childbirth time. That's right. So that was the cause. So once they resolve that issue that you should always wash your hands, keep clean, all the sanitization, suddenly the statistics showed because men at the war were dying at young age. <laughs> ah, right. There so, you go. Okay. Yeah. But if you look at you know, normal householder life, householder man, a family man is known to have long life. Relative. Relatively. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> not, not compared to Lord Brahma. Yes, yeah. Again, Lord Brahma only has 100 years like everyone else. So yeah. there's not much difference. And uh, it's just a perception is different. And okay. also the stats on the 7% on the language, we actually did this as an experiment at work. We put a Chinese guy and a Greek guy, said you're only supposed to be talking your native language, but this friendly talk. And they were provided the instructions in English that they have to translate they could not communicate at all. So that 93% was in the favor, but if the 7% is not matching, that 93% falls, completely fall apart. Uh, Hare Krishna. Very good, thank you. So Jiva, you're basically saying we should wash our hands of statistics? <laughs> Cute. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to godliness, as Srila Prabhupada Hare Krishna. So the purport to 19, um, the, soup, the spirit soul, Atma or Jiva, is certainly different from the body, which is a combination of five material elements. This is a simple fact. I just like the way Prabhupada just states it, you know. This is a simple fact, but it is not understood unless one is spiritually educated. Kasyapa Muni met his wife Aditi in the heavenly planets, but the same misconceptions extends throughout the entire universe and is also here on earth. So don't think, well, it's just we're in Maya, just in earth. No, even in the higher planets, the misconception of the body as a soul is there. There are different grades of living entities, but all of them are more or less under the impression of the bodily conception of life. In other words, all living entities in this material world are more or less devoid of spiritual education. The Vedic culture, and civilization, however, is based on spiritual education, and spiritual education is the special basis on which Bhagavad Gita was spoken to Arjuna. In the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna, Krishna instructed Arjuna to understand that the spirit soul is different from the body. And of course, a very famous verse, yatha dehe kumaram yovanam jara, tata as the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, the soul similarly passes into another body at death. The self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change. So just that very, very basic philosophy is so important. We are not 
the body. I was listening to Wisdom of the Sages recently, and Raghu Prabhu was talking about this point that, you know, we can try to save the whales or save this or save that and do some, but until society actually gets to the heart of the problem, bodily concept of life, then we might put out this fire and then another fire comes up like that. Unfortunately, this spiritual education is completely absent from modern civilized, human civilization. No one understands his real interest, which lies with the spirit's soul, not with the body. Education means spiritual education. To work hard in the bodily conception of life without spiritual education is, is to live like an animal. Nayam deho deha bhajan riloke kastan kaman arhate vidbujamye. People are working so hard simply for bodily comforts without education regarding the spirit soul. Thus, they are living in a very risky civilization. For it is a fact that the spirit soul has to transmigrate from one body to another. So why is the civilization risky? Because we have to die and take another birth. And it's risky because we're not thinking at all about the karma involved in the next birth. And we're just doing whatever we please without any regulation. Without spiritual education, people are kept in dark ignorance and do not know what will happen to them after the annihilation of the present body. They are working blindly and blind leaders are directing them. A foolish person does not know that he is completely under the bondage of material nature. And that after death, material nature will impose upon him a certain type of body, which he will have to accept. So the simple point in the, you know, in the uh, mentioned in the Vedas, the simple point that we are the soul, we're not the body. The body takes on different, uh, the soul takes on different bodies according to our karma. And therefore, we should really try to figure out what to do about that? And of course, what to do about that? It's suggested to us that we become free from this cycle of samsara by taking shelter of Krishna and getting out of the material world and proceeding to the spiritual world. Okay, finishing this purport. Uh, Adam, we're on 8, 16, 19. A foolish person, should I read that? He does not know that although in his present body he may be a very important man, uh, he may next get the body of an animal or tree because of his ignorant activities in the modes of material nature. Therefore, the Krishna consciousness movement is trying to give the true light of spiritual existence to all living entities. This movement is not very difficult to understand, and people must take advantage of it, for it will save them on the risky life of irresponsibility. So, yes, one may be a very big man, we won't mention any names, but you know, there's some people that are in the news like crazy these days. And in the past so many years in politics, etc. But who knows? What if they're like a snail in their next life? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't understand their karma. But, and that's why in one place, Prabhupada writes that for a Krishna conscious person, um, well, basically what he's saying, he's not the devotee, a good devotee is not impressed by someone's, you know, um, big position in the material world. They know that they deserve it because of their karma. That's all right. And that's, so that's nice. But we, we, and we respect everyone. And especially, of course, we respect someone who is in a position maybe to help us in spreading Christian consciousness, someone in a leadership position or, or someone and a, a person who's influential and we can you know, talk to them about sharing Christian consciousness with others. 
but just but the point that I, that Prabhupada is making, my my understanding is, we're not like overwhelmed with awe because of someone's position in this world, but rather we have compassion and understanding that they're a brother and sister just like us, but not putting them in any you know on one level on any greater category than you know a. Uh, a sincere sweeper in the street, as Prabhupada would say. And on the other hand, of course, treating them so that in a way that they might help spread the Christian consciousness to other people. So any questions, comments on this powerful purport and verse about the bodily concept of life, verse 19? No? Okay, just one second. I just, uh... just turning, getting some cool air in here. I hope that, can you hear me still? Yes, from Yes, from yes, uh, Gurudas puts the devil's advocate. I'm just going to live my life and whatever happens, happens. If I can't do anything about it, why should I worry? Well, yeah, that's, that's so that the, the important words that you just said is if I can't do anything about it. And the Bhagavad Gita is saying you can do something about it. Right? You can take to uh, spirituality, you can take to Krishna consciousness, you can um chant god's names and you can do something about it that's the and that you know that comes up sometimes when we talk about um free will and predestined and, and you know things being predestined and we have that free will ultimately in one sense the only free will we have is to be connected with god or not serve Krishna or not, or to serve Maya. Obviously, we have, you know, within the Maya range, there's so many options. One can choose choose their poison, as they say. And even in the devotional range, you know, one can chant, one can read the Bhagavatam, one can do so many different things. So anything else on 19? I hope that, yes. Yeah, so, but obviously some people don't have the uh, trust faith in uh, the Bhagavad Gita or maybe just not aware of it and therefore they don't think transmigration or karma or reincarnation is uh, is a reality right and the cor corollary to the devil's advocate thing I just mentioned is uh, when people say okay well you go you know it's your choice you could be go and be serious about devotional service, I'll, you know, um, that's all right. But uh, I'll just, you know, go uh, go about my life and, and do a little here and there. And, uh, you know, God will see that I lived a good life. Well, that is your choice. That is your choice. Sure, you can, you can do that. Uh, you know, now I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> all I'm going to do is tell you that you know, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says something uh, different than that. And and I assume that your pursuit in life is of happiness. And the definition given in the Bhagavad Gita of happiness is uh, different than the definition that most people live their lives by. And what, you know, I would request you to consider is Try an experiment. Try an experiment of uh, of living your life dedicated to Krishna or to God, and chant God's name, chant Krishna's name, and take some of this prasadam, and see afterwards if it's if it's really true spirituality is is um, experiential. It's not just giving people a post dated check that when you die you'll go to heaven and then you'll really have a good time. But no, it can be experienced today um, uh, if we connect with Krishna. That's probably something like that, I would say, if we were not school. 
right. Sold. Sold. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Were you going to say something else? No. No, I was. I was. I was just saying. Uh, sold. You, you sold me. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we should go on to verse um, 20. Upasti ta ta swapurusham bhagavantam janardanam sarvabhuta uhavasam vasudevam jagadguru. My dear Aditi, engage in devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God, who is a master of everything, who can subdue everyone's enemies and who sits within everyone's heart. Only that Supreme Person, Krishna or Vasudev, can bestow all auspicious benedictions upon everyone, for he is the spiritual master of the universe. Purport. With these words, Kasyapa Muni tried to pacify his wife. Aditi made her appeal to her material husband. Of course, that is nice, but actually a material relative cannot do anything good for anyone. If anything good can be done, it is done by the Supreme Personality of God at Vasudeva or Krishna. Therefore, Kasyapa Muni uh, advised his wife, uh, Aditi, to begin worshiping Lord Vasudeva, who is situated in everyone's heart. He is a friend of everyone and is known as Janardana because he can kill all enemies. There are three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. And above material nature, transcendental to material nature is another existence which is, whoops, did I get, lose my place? Which is called Sudha Sattva. In the material world, the mode of goodness is considered best, but because of material contamination, even the mode of goodness is sometimes overpowered by the modes of passion and ignorance. But when one transcends the competition between these modes, engages himself in devotional service, he rises above the three modes of material nature. So, um, we'll stop there for a second. Um, so the, we have these three modes of material nature and how to, you know, it, it, we should cultivate goodness. And goodness means, uh, we've said this so many times, means uh, being clean, trying to rise early in the morning, keeping our environment neat and clean, trying to keep our mind neat and clean. Um, but the point here is that even the mode of goodness can sometimes just be overwhelmed by passion and ignorance. Therefore, we have to, trans we have to also um, go beyond goodness to remembering Krishna and engaging in devotional service. And that's the main thing Kasyapa is going to say now. He says, but when one transcends the competition between these modes and engages himself in devotional service, he rises above the three modes of material nature. In that transcendental position, one is situated in pure consciousness. Above material nature is the position of Vasudeva, or freedom from material contamination. Only in that position can one perceive the Supreme Personality of God at Vasudeva. Thus, the Vasudeva condition fulfills a spiritual necessity. Spiritual necessity. Um, in another place, Prabhupada talks about the Govinda necessity. Uh, uh, His Holiness um, Satchinandan Swami talks about this a lot. The, um, just one second, someone was trying to call me. Oh. <laughs> I always liked that uh, that point that he that he says um, about the uh, ecovinda necessity, that the, the, the necessary thing in life to, to remember that we have a we have a necessity to be connected with God, a necessity to um, to connect with Govinda. It's it's not a luxury. Um, 
It's, it's part of who we are. It's the essential nature of our self. <coughs> and we can do it. That, that, that he's saying it here. Above material nature is the position of Vasudeva. Freedom from material contamination. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To be free of material contamination. To, to understand that I'm not this body. I'm spirit, soul. I'm part and parcel of Krishna. I'm Krishna's eternal servant. I can be totally happy by, by being absorbed in his service and chanting his holy name. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. And, and, and earlier we read in the fourth canto, uh, I don't have the exact words here. I can find some of them in a second. Uh, um, Prabhupada was talking about uh, us coming in contact with with Krishna, um, and he was saying first of all that we should always yeah here it is it's in um, I'm sorry sixth canto chapter two verse thirty four we should always consider what our position was before we came to Krishna consciousness and what it is now we had fallen into abominable lives and probably then delineate some of them. But now we have been given the opportunity to chant the Hare Krishna mantra. Therefore, we should always appreciate this opportunity. So sometimes we say, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll chant my rounds. But here he's talking about we had that we were given the, the opportunity, appreciate this opportunity to chant Hare Krishna. What an opportunity, Lord Chaitanya's gift in Kali Yuga to go back home, back to God. And so we've been given this opportunity to chant. And he said, therefore, we should uh, always appreciate the opportunity. So I was thinking about these feelings, uh, feelings of gratitude and indebtedness. Because they're, you know, they're very, it's very much in, in our, some, in our line of Krishna consciousness coming from Krishna himself. Because Krishna himself, let me see if I can find that. Uh, he he tells, um, uh, he says that about Draupadi, um, when I was away from Draupadi, she cried with the words, hey, Govinda, this call for me has put me in her debt. And that indebtedness is gradually increasing in my heart. So that's God, Krishna owns everything. And he's indebted to his devotees. And then there's so many examples of devotees expressing their indebtedness. Uh, Uddhava says, oh, my Lord Krishna, transcendental poets are experts in spiritual science. Our uh, uh, experts in spiritual science could not fully express their indebtedness to you, even if they were endowed with the prolonged life of Brahma. So we just find out how Brahma lives for 311 trillion years. And even if they had that life that long to glorify and express their indebtedness to Krishna, they couldn't do it. And similarly, we with towards Srila Prabhupada and towards Guru and Vaishnavas, Prabhupada wrote um, to a disciple, it is not possible for the disciple to repay the debt to the spiritual master. Therefore, the disciple remains eternally indebted to the spiritual master and continually works in such a way that the spiritual master may become pleased upon him for such sincere services rendered. So this mood of uh, gratitude and indebtedness, I mean, gratitude, even in the, in the uh, material world, you know, I mean, in, in regular par um, common parlance is considered a greatly desirable mindset, right? There's um, in, the, uh, in the Harvard's medical school, they write that gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. So you can imagine, wow, those are all amazing, right? Positive emotions, good experiences, improve their health deal with adversity and build strong relationships. And it's true, isn't it? That, you know, if you're feeling that life has given you a, you know, a, 
what is it? A lemon, you know, the tip of the thing. And then, but gratitude helps to make it lemonade, isn't it? You know, that's, a, I know it's a cliche, but um, that mood of gratitude, just, you know, when we start getting into victim mode and always me and, you know, self-pity, and then you then you think of what you are grateful for. And that brings out a feeling of indebtedness, a feeling of love, right? And also, you know, let's let's compare whatever we're going through with, you know, what some people in Ukraine are going through right now, or what person, you know, people who live on less than two dollars a day, or whatever. Um, so gratitude is is a very strong, um, powerful emotion. Now. Apply that to bhakti, and um, what I find, if I'm in good consciousness, which is rare for me, but if I'm in good consciousness, then the feeling of gratitude uh, towards Krishna or towards Prabhupada it feels actually sometimes a little painful. And the reason is because I know that any amount of gratitude falls far short compared to the absolute mercy uh, given to us by Prabhupada when you, you know, so um, I think I read this in uh, to um, in Dana and Adam, I think you'll recognize this, but I'll read it again for uh, others that there's this beautiful poem that Kalakanta Prabhu wrote in the 90s um, about this point, just, you know, just appreciating what Prabhupada did for us. I'll just read it. It's, a, it's short. You could have stayed in Vrindavan where chanting is most sweet or moved to holy Navadvip in spiritual retreat. Your godbrothers had temples there with room enough for you to sit and preach each Gorpanim to a visitor or two. You could have said it's Krishna's will. My visa was denied. I may have failed, but now I know, at least that I have tried. Your patron said you die abroad, your godbrother God just scoffed. You could have said, who'll meet the boat and guide me safely off? You could have had one look at us and said, what have I done? And caught the next boat back to home, unblamed by anyone. The Westerners, you could have said, can go to hell and stay. Who would have disagreed with you? We were well on our way. Instead, you laid your final years like flowers at Krishna's feet. Siddhanta's smile, your hidden guide, Thakur's vision in reach. So when we think about what Prabhupada did for us, it, it, it brings out this mood of uh, indebtedness. And we see Krishna is indebted to devotees. Devotees are indebted to Krishna. And the, and the spiritual master, Prabhupada also said how he was indebted to his disciples. Why? Because they were helping him carry out his guru's instructions to him. And that was one of the reasons. So, um, yeah, indebtedness is, and gratitude is a very powerful. And so here we say that, you know, um, that Krishna can fulfill all of our you know, greatest desires of freedom from material contamination. So the person who can free us from material contamination, how much gratitude we should have for that person. Uh, so finishing the purport, then we'll see if you have any comment. No, I'll also look at the chat. Whenever one, I'm going a little further down, whenever one is perplexed, anyone here ever feel perplexed? Let him take shelter of the lotus feet of Vasudev or Krishna, who will give the devotee intelligence to help him surpass all difficulties and return back to God, back home, back to God. Kasyapa Muni advises his wife to seek shelter at the lotus feet of Vasudev, Krishna, so that all her problems will be easily solved. Thus, Kasyapa Muni is an, was an ideal spiritual master. He was not so foolish that he would present himself as an exalted personality as good as God. It was actually a bona fide guru because he advised his wife to seek shelter at the lotus feet of Vasudev. One who trains his subordinate or disciple to worship Vasudev is the truly bona fide spiritual master. 
the word Jagad Gurum is very important in this regard because Yapamuni did not falsely declare himself to be Jagat Guru. Jagat means the world, the guru of the world. Although he was actually, uh, actually was Jagat Guru because he advocated the cause of Vasudev. Actually, Vasudev is, Vasudev Krishna is Jagat Guru, as clearly stated here, Vasudevam, Jagat Guru. One who teaches the instructions of Vasudev, Bhagavad Gita, is as good as Vasudevam, Jagat Guru. But when one but when one who does not teach, but when one who does not teach this instruction as it is, declares himself Jagaguru, he simply cheats the public. Krishna is Jagaguru, and one who teaches his instruction of Krishna as it is on behalf of Krishna may be accepted as Jagaguru. One who manufactures his own theories cannot be accepted. He becomes Jagaguru falsely. And we do see sometimes in India that sometimes people call others Jagaguru. And, you know, it seems so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Silly is not a good word. Um, inappropriate. When you think of somebody like Prabhupada, literally traveled around the world 14 times <laughs> uh, and kept and taught Krishna's message intact. Okay, any questions, comments on this verse? For, for. No? Okay, let's see what Gurudas has put in the chat. An example of the mode of goodness being overempowered by passion and ignorance might be a philanthropist who donates millions to build a hospital but insists that the hospital be named after him. Yeah, yeah, to some extent. Um, yeah, it depends. We don't know what's in their heart, but if he kind of insists, yeah. Uh, then you're quoting uh, the prayer to Lord Chaitanya as the most munificent incarnation. And you're saying, as opposed to people who say, thanks a lot, very sarcastically to God. Okay. So um, that is 1920. So 21. The Supreme Personality of God, who is very merciful to the poor, will fulfill all your desires, for devotional service unto him is infallible. Any method other than devotional service is useless. That is my opinion. So, okay. There are three kinds of men who are called Akama, Mokshakama, and Sarvakama. One who tries to get liberation from this material world is called mokshakama. And that doesn't mean necessarily through bhakti, but just, you know, getting out of this world. One who wants to enjoy this material world to its fullest extent is called sarvakama. Sarva means all. And kama means desire. So all kinds of material desires. Mokshakama means desiring liberation. And one who has fulfilled all his desires and has no further material desires is called akama, a bhakta has no is akama has no desire. Sarvupadi vinyamuktam taprat He is purified and free from all material desires. The moksha kami wants to achieve liberation by merging into the existence of the supreme brahman, and because of this desire to merge into the existence of the Lord, he is not yet pure. And since those who want liberation are impure, what to speak of the karmis who have so many desires to fulfill? Wait, wait, wait. And since those who are, wait, 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 that's a question. And since those who want liberation are, oh, are impure, what to speak of all the karmis who have so, so many desires to fulfill? Nevertheless, the Shastra says, and this is a beautiful verse from the second canto Akama, Sarvakamova, Mokshakama, Uttaradi, Devrena Bhakti Yogena, Yajeta Purushamparam. Whether one desires everything, all kinds of material desires, or nothing, no material desires, or desires moksha karma to, to merge into the existence of God. He is intelligent only if he worships Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, by rendering transcendental loving service. So that verse is important because it's saying, okay, so you got so many material desires. Okay, you're meditating on sense gratification, just sense gratification, just focus, just do some devotional service. You don't have to be this great, great soul to do devotional service. You don't have to be already akama, no material desires. You can be filled with all kinds of 
gunk. That's okay. But Tivrena Bhakti Yogena, engage in Bhakti Yoga. The verse actually says Bhakti Yoga, Bhakti Yogena. And that's Krishna's munificence. He doesn't just give his kindness to people who are really, you know, great devotees and get up early in the morning and chant and all kinds of, no, he, he wants to give to everyone. So whatever your desire is, just do some bhakti or do a lot of bhakti if you can. <laughs>